Okay, so we are making our way through Unit 5 of The Gospel is the Power, and we are still on Point B. We're up to Point 7 of Point B. This is the background of the powers. We talked about how, you know, knowing the truth makes you free, knowing the truth about when these po- what these powers are and when they came into existence or when they started to have rule and dominance over mankind is helpful for us in understanding the fullness of the redemption that is offered to us, available to us in Christ Jesus through faith in him, because he redeemed us from the power of the powers. And not only that gives us the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us to stand and resist these powers and to be in this world, but not of this world. So let's keep going. We are on page 36, if you're following along in your study guide, uh, and point seven. So as the nations began to dwell and live in their new territories, this is we had gotten ourselves up to the Tower of Babel and how God, with the Tower of Babel, he scattered people all over the face of the earth and changed their languages. And now all of these different nations are under the influence or the power, um, the authority of the spiritual forces that have been assigned to them. So God divided up the nations according to the number of the sons of God, which we previously defined as spiritual beings. So every nation has its own spiritual beings and spiritual authorities that preside over it. Um, and so these nations are are out there and they are now creating cultural differences. So this is where the cultural differences come from between different nations and tribes and tongues. So language, you, you know, to even call it a tongue, people are separated by language. But language can be a separator also culturally. You know, in some languages, they don't even have words that other languages have. And language is a form of expression. Language is a way that people say what's going on with them or what's going on in a certain situation. Language is a way of expressing expressing uh, dominance or submission. Language can has a significant influence in how culture is shaped. Um, and it's interesting to note, you know, Paul says even in 1 Corinthians 13 that men have languages and angels have languages. He, he's saying that in a different context. We can speak in the languages of men. We can speak in the languages of angels, even as we're speaking in tongues. But, you know, men and angels have languages. So, I find myself wondering because of that if the languages that God gave to the peoples when he scattered them from the Tower of Babel were also then influenced with the language of their spiritual beings that were appointed in authority over them. I don't have a biblical verse for that. I'm just saying sometimes these thoughts, you know, I think about these things, like how did certain words get into certain languages and was it the influence, It was it in the language that God originally designed or is it a new word that was created um, and it was that influenced by the spiritual powers that were over this nation, tribe, or 
tongue. Um, and also, just to give uh, credit to how people were having to find their way in this new place that they had found themselves in, being scattered out of the land of Babel, um, climate can really impact life or culture. You know, climate will impact the rhythm of work and rest. Climate will impact how you handle the dead. So, like, for example, I've been in parts of India where it is 40 degrees Celsius. I don't know what the immediate calculation of that is. It's just hot, 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 hot. It's like 120 degrees Fahrenheit. It's insanely hot. And so in those parts of India, nobody works during the day. You The, the marketplace will be open from the light of dawn until about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then everybody goes home and and takes a nap or takes it easy because they're under the shade of their roof and they're in the cool of their house, as cool as they could possibly try to keep it. And then about eh, maybe five o'clock in the afternoon, people start coming out again. The sun's going down. It's getting cooler. The marketplace opens back up again. And, you know, they stay up very, very late at night because they've just taken a a nap in the middle of the day. Their, Their rhythm of life is deeply impacted by the temperature that they experience because of the place on earth that they dwell. Um, The same can have a significant impact, like I said, on how the dead are handled. Um, You know, like if if you're in a hot climate, then you've got to bury your dead right away because that body is going to start to decay. If you're in a colder climate, you can lay them out on a table and have people pass by for a few days before things start to get gross. Okay, but this is all will start to impact how people consider spiritual matters. When someone dies, where do they go? Do they go in the ground? Does their body decay? Is there a spirit? So these types of questions are important. They are impacted by climate, but it the climate can lead to even some of those spiritual questions as well. Um, each nation, as it developed its culture, was influenced, you know, by these spiritual powers as they created their own concepts of good and evil. So you are you with me on this theme of it started with one man and one woman making a determination that instead of going with what God said is good, they wanted to reach out for the tree they weren't supposed to eat from and have their own determination of what they say is good and what they say is evil. But now, after the nations are scattered, after the Tower of Babel, people are doing that on the national level. And cultures are being formed based on what a culture, a group of people, determines amongst themselves is good and evil. And as we've seen in our world, that can change over time. Things that at one point in time in a culture you would have been shameful 200 years ago might be completely accepted in the culture today. And they call that evolving or, you know, growing up. I don't necessarily think so, but I'm just giving the example. Example. So these cultural distinctions are devised under the influence of the spiritual powers that are over the nations, even right from the beginning of them being scattered from Babel. And part of this is um, subject to how much the the people or even the leader of the people, because the leader starts to become really important because they control the people and they control the stuff, usually based on violence. And so the, the spiritual 
powers who are in rebellion against God, they're trying to influence, they're trying to figure out how much deception, how much they can deceive, or more rather, in what ways they can deceive the people of the culture away from the things of God or into uh, behaviors or spirituality or things that are abominable in God's sight or displeasing in God's sight. But if they become culturally accepted, the spiritual powers have succeeded in taking a first step in rebellion against God and leading the culture into its ultimate destruction. So the spiritual powers would have influence over things like the culture's morality, their their concept of right and wrong, good and evil, would have influence over the religious beliefs and practices, their view of God or the gods, their view of the spirit realm, and how to keep the spiritual powers happy. You know, in in ancient societies, it was all about we need rain and we need our land to produce food. It's all about food. It's all about resources. And so the gods, there are these gods out there. We've got to keep them happy so that the rain comes and the ground brings forth the food that we need. Um, the spiritual powers would also have influence over justice, the concept of justice. So like the honor and the shame, what is the cause for banishment or death? What is the cause for exaltation within a group of people? What are the consequences for disobedience to the rulers of the people or disobedience to the the rules or the norms of the culture? What do you do with a weirdo? What do you do with someone who doesn't fit the mold? Most ancient societies would just kill them. They were seen as a threat. So the the a society's view of justice would be heavily influenced by the spiritual powers and what the spiritual powers could slip into the culture in of ways that are against God or or for God, but they were mostly trying to get people to disobey God and head toward their own destruction. Uh, destruction. Um, and people also set up their own authority structures. So in these ancient societies, there would usually be a king or a chief or a ruler. And like I said about Nimrod, it was usually the most violent guy around, probably the biggest. But sometimes you can have a smaller guy who's got a lot of power or a big guy working for him. But nevertheless, there was a king or a ruler. And what he said went for the whole tribe or the whole nation. So authority structures start to be put in place that are put together, not just by the spiritual powers, but now mankind is not just separated from direct access to God and under the power of the evil one, and now as nations under the powers of the spiritual powers, but now the nations are subjecting themselves under the powers of people. So people that they have appointed over them or people that have appointed themselves over them. So do you see how we're getting farther and farther and farther and farther away from direct access to God? God's original will was Adam and Eve dwelling with God in the garden, living with God, consulting with God about everything, doing things God's way. But because of the continued and repetitive and persistent sin of mankind against God and against his ways, they get subjugated under the power of Satan. Then they're subjugated under the power of spiritual powers over their nation. And now they're under the power of man. 
So like we're getting farther and farther. We're in more and more bondage and farther away from simple obedience and direct access to God. So that's another from this point forward. From this point forward, the peoples of the nations are subjected under human authorities of their nation, region, or territory, usually working in cooperation with the spiritual powers. And some societies, like in Egypt, Pharaoh was considered a god himself. So the gods were the gods, and Pharaoh was also a god. Now, we know, you and I both know he wasn't a god, but in that society, they considered him to be a god, and he ruled over the people. So with all of this, all of these spiritual powers and influences going on, the nations became subject to the wisdom of man and, and all of the vain philosophies and imaginations that mankind comes up with. So Paul talks about it this way in reverse. If you reverse engineer this from Colossians 2 and verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So what are those elemental spirits of the world, those elemental philosophies and empty deceptions or human traditions? What are those human traditions? They're the things that various cultures do. Why do they do them? Just because they do. Some people don't even know where the traditions come from. There are probably 10 answers for where that tradition comes from. But it comes from the culture and how the spiritual powers have been able to influence that culture against the ways of God. And mankind just makes their own observations and creates their own philosophies with their vain imaginations of how they are so awesome in their own sight and how their way is the right way to live or how if you do this, then this is the result. If you do good in the sight of our culture, then you get good because our culture is right about everything. This is basically the the premise of how most people live their lives, even though there are people living in completely contrasting cultures in different parts of the world. Everybody thinks theirs is the best and that they've got it all figured out until they come to redemption and understanding that their culture is just as evil and wicked in its own way. It's got its own flavor of wickedness compared to every other culture. But Christ is the only one. He has redeemed us out of that. And so Paul is warning the Colossians, don't get back into what the spiritual power set up. Don't get back into what mankind has said that they've figured out for themselves and how brilliant they are. They're not. They don't have anything figured out. You've got to keep yourself rooted in Jesus Christ and him crucified. That redemption redeems you out of the ridiculousness of all of the stuff that mankind has created for themselves and the philosophies that they've created that make no sense according to God's original design. So Paul said it this way in Romans about the futility of the thinking of man. When when man started to not worship God, but worship things that were created, Paul said, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so their way of thinking became self-exalted. They didn't want to exalt God anymore. They were building their own little personal tower of Babel. Their lives became chaotic, like the waters, right, and darkened, not light, not light. 
that dark is not light. Their their hearts became darkened, okay? And their their thinking becomes even more and more depraved and corrupted the further they turn from God and the more they sin and rebel against God. And so all the nations, at this point we're talking national level, nations, nations were subjected to the elemental powers of this world. And there's a verse from Galatians in there. We were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Do you see it? Are you getting how the pieces connect, how there are spiritual forces of wickedness in the spirit realm, in the heavenly realm, that are over your nation. And that's why your nation and the wickedness there is a different flavor than a nation you might travel to. Everything has its own culture, but this is where the, they they come from. And you, no matter what nation you're in and listening now, you're in slavery under the elemental forces of this world, under those spiritual powers, unless you are living under the power completely of the gospel and of the redemption that we have available to us in Christ Jesus. So formerly, before you were redeemed, when you did not know God, this is especially for you Gentiles out there like me, the Jews, they've had a connection with God. So you can't say they didn't know God. They're in covenant with God. But Gentiles, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who are by nature not gods. You were slaves to the powers over your nation or your region or your territory or your culture, and you were slaves to the human rulers, or you were slaves to the spiritual forces, the the gods uh, that have been created or worshipped in your culture. So this is, you're under these weak and miserable forces that by Christ, with Christ, we have been redeemed out of. And Paul is saying, Why would you want to be enslaved all over again to those things when Jesus has redeemed you out of that? Okay, so all of the nations in in, this is keeping keeping on going with this. The nations are subjected to worshiping demons. What the nations worship, they're not gods at all. They are demons that are counterfeiting themselves as God. And the demons, maybe they're in cooperation with the spiritual powers and the rulers in the heavenly realms, or maybe it's just something that was made with the hands of man and has no spiritual power whatsoever. But the nations are worshiping things that are not God. They are demons counterfeiting God's abilities and powers. Paul says it this way to in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. So pagan gods are not actually are, are actually demons. They're not gods at all. So Paul also says it this way in Deuteronomy 32, they sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come out recently. So Satan, he reinvents or represents, it's not represents, but represents in a new way himself in the form of a new god. A new god has come on the scene that can solve all of your problems, or a new god has come on the scene 
that can solve this problem, this specific problem that you have. So you've got to go submit yourself under whatever this God is saying. Even the but Satan is is he's coming at it in a new he's coming at it in a new outfit. But it's the same old thing that it ever was. His tactics have changed, but the deception is the same. The promise of freedom is the same, but it's still a lie. And it's a deception. And it's a deception to incite rebellion against God, uh, a worship of Satan rather than God, and also usually to incite wicked behavior and depravity but it's never new. This is It's the same old thing that Satan has ever been up to all the way back from the Garden of Eden. He's looking for worship for himself. He wants mankind to worship him. He wants the throne of God for himself. And that's what these demons are all about. It's getting people under their power and control. And if they can do it at the national level through cultural differences and false worship, then they think that they have have succeeded, right? So again, from this point forward, there are major distinctions between nations, peoples, tribes, and tongue. Each nation will start to adapt its own, what's called a worldview, the way that they view the world and their, their, um, perspective on how things work, what the spirit realm is, what people are, who like their whole concept of humanity, the world, creation, everything. From this point forward, those contrasting worldviews begin to be in existence. And it's all under the influence of the spiritual powers that have been appointed over the nations of the world. All right, so we're going to keep going. So the nations are now they're they're scattered all over the world. They are under these spiritual powers that uh, are in the heavenly realms. Their cultures are being formed. Their concepts of philosophy and tradition and the way that they do things are all being formed. And at this point, all of the nations. This is almost universal in every ancient society. If you do your homework, all nations turn from God and begin to worship not the spiritual powers and not the demons, even though there is a lot of that going on, but they turn and they worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. This is in almost every ancient civilization, and it is still extremely prevalent in many, many cultures all over the world today. And so let's take a look at this from Deuteronomy 4 and chapter uh, ver- chapter 4, verse 19. And beware, this is Moses speaking to Israel, and he's talking to Israel not to be like the rest of the world, but to do things God's way. So He's saying, beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord, so he's talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars. These are things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples, the na- which is the word for nations, under the whole heaven. So God, we learned this, on the fourth day, he appointed the sun, the moon, and the stars as his deputy authorities to rule the night and the day and the seasons and the years. He gave them authority over the night and the day. So they're deputy authorities that are 
are supposed to be ruling in line with God. But all of creation has been subject to corruption and futility. So now humanity is worshiping something that God created as a lesser authority, as a lesser deputy under the authority of God. So mankind uh, at the national level all over the world, people aren't worshiping God. Instead, they are worshiping the sun, the moon, and the stars. And God even made it that way. God allotted the sun, the moon, and the stars to the nations under the heavens. He cannot allow the nations to have direct access to him because of sin. But with his own people, so this note is on the next page, Deuteronomy 17.3, Moses makes abundantly clear that for God's people, so this is at this time in Deuteronomy, this is the people of Israel. This also applies to anyone who's a believer today, but worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars is forbidden for God's people. Why? Because why worship the deputy when you can worship the one who's in charge, when you can worship the chief? God is the chief. Why would you worship number two when you can have direct access to number one? So God allotted, he he put everyone in the world under the power of the sun, moon, and stars, his deputies, right? And no one in the world had direct access to him. Wow, that's a really powerful thing. But so from this point forward, that's when that happened. The nations are all scattered. There are spiritual authorities over those nations. And almost every ancient society and even societies today turn to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. So even today, Astrology remains an active force in the cultural and daily life, individual life decisions of many, many people. If you are listening and you come from a culture that worships the sun, the moon, and the stars, you know that who you marry would be determined by the sun, the moon, and the stars. You would have had your uh, chart, your astrology chart, predicting your life, your temperament, your relationships, your compatibility, um, your aptitudes, the things that you were going to be good at, the vocation that you have. And people live their lives in willing subjection to the sun, the moon, and the stars. This is way more serious. Uh, Sometimes in America, people don't take this seriously enough because they poke fun at it, even though they'll read their horoscope and they pretend like they don't take it seriously. But it's much more than just reading a horoscope in the back of the newspaper to see whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day today. But people's lives are willingly subjected to what the sun, the moon, and the stars determine about their life because that is their cultural context. Their cultural context has been set up since the ancient times to revolve around the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's actually where birthdays come from. If you haven't ever noticed, there's no birthdays celebrated in the Bible except for those of pagans. The only ones who have their birthday celebrated in the Bible are Pharaoh and Herod. And the reason for that is that pagans, the Egyptians especially, the birthday 
uh, the astrology chart was determined by the day of birth, the day, the time, time of day, the place, the season, all of this, because astrology was such a determining factor in um, the the person that was being born and the the entire course of their life was being uh, predicted and predicated and premised on what what time they were born and how the sun, the moon, and the stars lined up for them. And people would also read the sun and the moon and the stars. People today, even in America, but also in these cultures, go to people who can read the sun, the moon, and the stars and make a prediction or a determination about what's going to happen in their lives based on what is written in the stars. This is a real thing. But in the eyes of God, this is bondage. This is bondage to a power that is lesser than God himself. God originally designed man to have, all of mankind, to have direct access to him. But instead, because of sin, mankind keeps getting subjected under lower and lower powers. Mankind is under deputy powers, and they live willingly so because they don't know the way to get reconnected with God. Well, guess what? God made the way, and the way's name is Jesus. Jesus redeems us from all of these powers and from living our lives under the power of these spiritual forces that are in rebellion against God, and even from the power of the sun, moon, and stars determining the course of our life because they are the deputy authorities that are are being worshipped in our culture, Jesus Christ redeems us from that power and gives us power to stand against the powers that the only one who has any power in our life to determine the course of our life is Jesus, is God the Father, and we have been redeemed and restored to full access, direct access to him because we've been redeemed out from under the power of the powers.